hopeless for love and a unique adventure. He's just a little too vanilla. A mansion sitter to the celebs lands a fresh gig for a mysterious client. Where is it? It's the freaking boondocks out here. Cut off from the outside world. I can't hear you, you're cutting out. Menaced by a mysterious presence. <sighs> and introduced to a new reality. Look at all this cool bondage stuff. The Assignment. Watch this series now at gemweathers.com. We are proud to be the official podcast of FetishCon, and we want you to join us in St. Petersburg, Florida, August 8th through 11th, 2024. The trade show brings together models, producers, industry leaders, and fans from all over the world, and brings you great classes in kink or how to become an industry professional. You can get all the details at fetishcon.com. The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. season of presenting personalities as their authentic selves. This is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, the official podcast of FetishCon. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as other educators and sex-positive personalities sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is your host, John, or as they are known in the kink and fetish communities. Hi there, Katsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and to our listeners, welcome. Welcome to the end of an era. For over 200 episodes, What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want have brought you the stories of people in the kink and fetish communities unlike any other podcast. And today is the last one by this title. We will be rebranding in 2024, becoming a show that is authentically kinky. And that's going to be the new name of the show, Authentically Kinky. We're so proud of what we've done and we can't wait to see what we will do. We already have a great lineup of guests getting ready to start 2024, and I know you will enjoy it. We're going to try to do more video podcasts. We're going to try to travel a little bit more and get a wider variety of guests for you, both from the top and the bottom, from dominant to sub. We want to 
be able to bring you an entirely authentic look at what it's like to be kinky. And I can't wait to get started, and we will do so on February 13th, 2024. You'll see a lot of changes on our social media. You'll see a new look, and we might have some new people joining us. We're very, very excited about it. But it wouldn't be a wonderful transition unless we had an amazing guest for our final episode of this title. And we do. Someone who has joined us before and has been one of our favorite guests ever. Best known as the Chicago Mistress, Mistress Simone is a career dominatrix who started out in Chicago 30 years ago expanding to her second studio in St. Louis, Missouri around 13 years ago. And now she travels monthly between the locations to create unique BDSM and fetish scenes with those she connects with. Over the years, she's developed a reputation as both a heavy bondage dominatrix and a CBT mistress. When submissives ask what her main fetish is, her answer is control. She loves developing unique scenes in which controlling sensory input is the focus. Her main domination style depends on the subject, their actions, and their connection. One thing that will remain constant in every encounter is her pure enjoyment at what they create together, whether it be a corporal correction, mummification, or sadism. The Chicago Mistress Mistress Simone, our guest, on what women and other wonderful humans want. What was the genesis of what made our guests who they are? We begin that journey with the first five. Five questions about firsts. First time you ever bought a toy that you absolutely had craved and just had to have. So in my second year as a professional, I purchased a pair of love, my first pair of bondage mitts from a local leather manufacturer at uh, a toy fair that one of the local munches was having. And I just had to have them because that's kind of where my love for encasement and restriction um, mummification started was taking away the movement of the hands. So I'm going to say probably my leather bondage which I still have in my dungeon in Chicago. That's beautiful. Speaking of heavy bondage and encasement, first time you ever put somebody in such heavy bondage that you went to yourself, I can't believe I went this far. Oh, I don't know if I've ever actually said that. <laughs> but I would probably say the first first time I did a full body plaster encasement and it was messy and it was wet and you know this was almost this was probably about 27 years ago and you know back then we didn't have all the cool stuff that you can use for plaster cast so we were, we were using the old plaster of Paris and uh it was it's pretty hard to get off, even though I had the right tools. So that would probably be the first time I said that. Maybe the only time. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you ever performed CBT? 
and what your feelings were doing it. Hold on, let me access the database. <laughs> Uh, yes, that would, that would probably have been in the beginning of my career, probably the first year. And I was doing some manhandling and I was doing some dick slapping, some ball pulling, uh, you know, the mistress flick that we all love so much. Um, my feelings were, God, this is fun. I want to continue to do it for the rest of my life. <laughs> first time you opened the doors to your St. Louis dungeon where you realized, I have more than one place to do this. I have two homes. Well, that's an interesting story because it was about the same time that Irene Boss had opened her second location in California. And we were both opening our second dungeons about the same time, maybe within six months to a year of each other. And at one point we were both having a conversation and we said, we must be freaking insane. <laughs> <laughs> to have two dungeons and it was it was a lie it was like wow it was a little overwhelming because it, a it's a responsibility but it, b it's also an accomplishment so it was kind of wow am i really doing this a little flabbergasted first time you were pleasantly surprised by a reaction that a submissive gave you I would probably say with my long-term female slave of 20 years, when we went heavy into humiliation and degradation, which had been a hard limit for her, and she wanted me to push those boundaries. And at the end of it, she was just like crying and so happy and saying, you know, she was so free and that was a weight off her shoulder. And that would probably be, I don't know if, I guess surprise would be the right answer because, you know, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. It's like, you're playing with someone's psyche and the heavy humiliation and it can go bad and get triggered in a bad way really quick. And uh, her shedding of all that negativity and um, feeling free was, was like, wow, okay. It actually worked. <laughs> 30 years of being the Chicago mistress, <laughs> Mistress Simone, we have a lot of stories to tell as we seem to be going a lot back in history as we've <laughs> passed 200 episodes now. And when we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, with special thanks to Kingster Merch, more with Mistress Simone. For more than three years, we have presented this podcast as a labor of love without paid advertisers. We do this as we want to give back to this wonderful community for all the gifts it has given us. If you want to financially support our efforts, please visit bit.ly slash thanks catsuit and give what you can to help catsuit travel, teach, and bring you great in-person interviews. We will give you that address again later in the show. Now, here are some words from Catsuit's friends about things you should know about. Hi, Catsuit. Thank you so much for sharing your wholesome space with the team of Fetish Bacchanal. Sparkle the Brat and I, Goddess Alanis, will be hosting a three-day Kingfield retreat in Jamaica, June 28th to the 30th, 2024. This is going to be an escape of a property with a cleansing mineral cave right in the heart of it. 
Follow at Fetish Bacchanal on Twitter for more updates on ticket links, vending, performances, and more. Craptaculous boundaries are not your fault. The more severe the dysfunction you experienced growing up, the more difficult boundaries are for you. David W. Earle. Or as Ms. Titania said, nobody ever warns you that when you come from dysfunction, a healthy mind can feel unsafe. We spend our lives being controlled by others, so we learn to control others. Or we allow others to control us in exchange for love. Learn more about Take No Shit. Build better relationships through discovering, creating, and maintaining healthy boundaries in three, sometimes five, simple steps at my.curiouser.life. Empowering designs for fetish models, doms, sex workers, or anyone else who needs to be seen as their authentic selves. Visit the What Women Want podcast store at Kingster Merch on Etsy to see those and other wonderful designs for all Kingsters. Now, back to the show and more with our guests on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you, Nookie, and welcome back to the program, joined by the Chicago mistress, Mistress Simone. You love your heavy bondage, and I have to admit, of all the things in my kink journey, that is the one thing that has eluded me so far. And that, having talked to Troy Orleans, having talked to you, having talked to Master Trinity down in Florida, who does a lot with latex, having survived Mistress Natalia Sedici, <laughs> personally, I am fascinated by the layering of bondage from one simple thing to this amazing encasement. Where does the imagination start on that? You said the bondage myths were the first thing that you bought, which kind of led into that. But where does the imagination start on a scene like that? Well, I would have to say it really depends on what my end goal is with the heavy bondage. With my layering scenes, it usually starts with a mutual fetish or a mutual item that the submissive and I both want to try, like a straight jacket or or a pair of bondage mitts. And then my imagination kind of takes over and it's like, all right, what can we add with it? So it's kind of one starting point. And then you want to see how far you take it and what can I add? And it's really funny because I find that when I am in a heavy bondage scene, not only is the submissive, uh, getting into a, another headspace, but I'm getting into a headspace. And I recently realized, which really sounds stupid considering I've been doing this for so long, is that when I am concentrating on layering and, and doing more and making it more intricate and more difficult or more relaxing, that my brain shuts off mm. and I concentrate solely on what I'm doing. So not only is the bondage a escape and a relaxation for the submissive it's also an escape and a relaxation for me because I stop worrying and I start thinking what am I going to do next and I you know my submissives have been with me for so long they're like 
they know when I'm getting close to being finished because I get really quiet and I'll be like, hmm, I'm just not quite happy yet. Let's add another piece of rope. And then I'll stand back and I'll pause for a couple of seconds and I'll be like, okay, now I'm done. <laughs> but they can tell because I'll be like, oh no, this isn't right. We have to add this and we have to add this. And it's kind of like a recipe for success. What ingredients do you need and what can you add to the recipe to make it just a little bit more spicy? When you have the recipe and everything has been cooked perfectly, how long do you let it simmer? As long as the particular pot needs to. So it really depends on how much that recipe just needs to cook. It can be anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours to hours. I do find that most people cannot physically handle more than I'm going to say two to three to four hours, probably four hours in one position. Because if you think about it, when we when we sleep, which is another form of not bondage, but you know, we're not consciously thinking it's our subconscious takes over. Our body is continually moving when we sleep. We toss, we turn, you know, we fluff the pillows. But when you are in a sensory deprivation, heavy bondage scene, usually you only have a little bit of wiggle room. You know, you want to leave some wiggle room so that the circulation stays and all that safety stuff. But your body doesn't move from where it's encased. And that can get very hard laying in one position for a long time. So I'm going to say maximum is four hours. I know some people that I've done have pushed it to six hours, but it, it's, a, it's, it's intense. When people come out of that, obviously the head is swimming and there's probably some massive subspace, but what's the lingering effect of that? Is it wanting to go back? Oh, yes. I have a lot of people who are like, no, no, let's, let's go do it. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. <laughs> it's like, I want to immediately do it again. I've had a lot of people who have come out of it and then they come back the next day for another session or they come back the next week for another session because they're like, that was just so fantastic and so relaxation. Uh, and uh, I would say that that is probably the most common response I get is, just they're like wow I'm just so relaxed I was able to let go of all my my bullshit and all of my stress and you were there taking over and the only thing I felt was your touch your input whatever it gave I didn't have to worry about the bills I didn't have to worry about the kids I didn't have to worry about traffic it was just peaceful with my mistress I took a sensory deprivation class from a couple of wonderful people who own a dungeon here in Cincinnati. And they brought up the fact that sensory deprivation, the beautiful key to it is the fact that those moments when you're touched as opposed to the sensory deprivation are where the magic can happen. Just a little feeling of wind or a simple stroke or something like that because you're so craving it. Do you feel that yearning and wanting of somebody when you have them 
in that wonderful bondage that you do? Yes. Uh, yes, I do. There are a few people who I've played with who just want total isolation mm. and they don't want to be touched. Um, they don't mind hearing my voice check in on them, you know, so, uh, but most of them I've played with long-term players that are like that. It's like, all right, I'm going to put you in bondage and I'll be back in an hour, you know, even though I'm like only five feet away. But most people, they say the most intimate and special times when they are in a heavy bondage scenario is when they do, they either hear my voice next to them, or if you're in a hood, they feel the pressure of my hand, you know, or running their leg, up and down their leg, or just a simple on their chest checking in, they can feel that I'm there with them. That's kind of the biggest response I've had from my submissives that that's the most you not unique but special time for them when they're in sensory deprivation is that that connection that I'm still there with them how important is that connection to every scene you do I would always rather play with some level of connection whether it's just having fun with a fetish and fetishist and we are enjoying our mutual fetishes, fetishes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I would always prefer a connection. It doesn't have to be a serious connection. It can be a fun connection. It can be a, you know, Hey, you're a sadist. I'm a masochist. And you know, I like your company. So some level or type of connection I feel is good for a scene and a connection, a relationship, but you don't have to have an intense relationship or an intense connection for every play scene. You can just have, you guys like each other and you want to play. But I would guess that energy, I'll replace the word with if connection with energy, that energy that flows between the two. I would always prefer to have energy with the person that I'm playing with, whether it's a lifestyle person or a professional client. If you don't have any give and take, it's called a power exchange for a reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, the power is exchanging and it's flowing, and it goes from me to my submissive back, and you know you can feel it. You can feel that energy, whether it's you know a lighthearted one or an extremely difficult, heavy, and intense scene. So if a scene doesn't really have any kind of energy, it it's it's like a dead fish it mm -hmm. it just kind of lays there and doesn't do a damn thing and and i really don't like dead fish <laughs> when i talk to you you are always full of laughs you are a very happy-go-lucky person when i see pictures of you you are always <laughs> intense I'm the bane of my career <laughs> <laughs> Are there times yes. when this happy person shows up in the dungeon or are you always in Oh, this happy person shows up all the time in the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, first, this happy person shows up all the time in the dungeon. Ask Elena. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Mr. Luca. It's, yeah, the dungeon is my happy place and uh, I, I am quite happy in my dungeon and I get silly and I get laughing and yes, so the happy place, the happy person and is almost always in the dungeon. Now, not not to say that there are there are times where the intensity of the scene requires or 
that's the mood and the energy that we're going for. And that's where we are. And we're focused on that. You have to kind of have a balance. I find if you keep laughter out of the dungeon, the dungeon can get sad and, and not like that. So you have to have some laughter. And, and when, when a dominatrix laughs at you or laughs with you, that's a very special experience. So yeah, happy persons in the dungeon. <laughs> if your dungeon had a character or personality, how would you describe it? So you remember you you remember the movie Disney, and this is going to be something that the the certain people are not going to get. You remember the movie Disney's Aristocats? Yes. Okay, you remember the really pretty, pompy, pompy um, female cat with the pink bow in her hair mm-hmm. that walked around all the time and was you know special, you know. And then her brothers would come over and she'd be like, Wah! <laughs> "That's my dungeon." <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> Pretty, but she's got claws. <laughs> I have found through these interviews that some of the kindest people I've ever met are doms. And while I understand that to be true from being able to talk to so many of you, I don't think that would be the reputation of the outside world. Are people sometimes shocked when they go, why are you so nice? Oh my God, I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. Uh, Yes, yes. I I have had tons of clients come to my dungeon and uh, and, uh, even start serving me regularly. And I still have some of my regular submissives that are like, you know, commands, oh, he's real nice. And I just look at them and go, yes, but don't mistake that. I can still seriously hurt you. And if I'm not nice to you, then you've really pissed me off. So if we're nice to you and we're genuinely nice, and and I would agree with you that so many dominatrixes I have met are genuinely caring and kind people. And if you think about it, that kind of makes a good dom. Mm Mm-hmm. No, it's yes, we can put on our bitch hats. Yes, we can be totally mean and we can be, you know, doing something that everybody would think is so horrible and having a great time. But if we don't care for the people that come see us, if we don't really want to engage with them and make them relax or I always say, leave them better off after I had them. And if we don't have that, then we may be in the wrong profession. Because empathy and caring and kindness is kind of key to what we do. People come to us and trust us to take them to a different place than they are normally. And they have to know that we're going to care for them. In my kindness classes, I actually talk about specific scenes that on the surface seem like they are so totally intense and painful that they could never be considered kind. And I turn it around and allow the audience to understand how it's the kindest thing that's ever been done to me. Mm -hmm. Like when I was hit 60 times for my birthday 
And by 10, I was ready to say, no, can't do it anymore. And as the numbers went up, I still, everything in me wanted to give up. But then when I got to 60 and the dom said, my damsel, I'm so proud of you. That was one of the kindest things anybody's ever done because I have always wondered if I would just give up. Mm -hmm. And that gift was the most beautifully kind thing anybody's ever done for me. Aw, that's such a sweet story. Thank you for sharing. Aww. I, I would agree with, with you. It's You can do what is perceived as the most horrendous things to people and push their boundaries and and give them a little bit more than they want and afterwards just going over and saying you know you know you did well i'm so proud of you and you know you did it for me and you know thank you for taking it for me you know it, it just can make the difference Brings that connection closer for those people who do get it. Yes, indeed. Obviously, in talking with Mr. Stephanie Locke for episode number 200, we talked a lot of history. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> I'm going to ask the impossible question for you, but... What is the thing that has changed the most in your 30 years of being a dominatrix? What is perceived as a dominatrix is what I would say. And let me clarify. When I started, and I had this conversation at my anniversary party or sometime that weekend, when I started, we were all trained in the one true way. All right, there were, we all presented the same way and we were all mistresses or ladies or goddesses, maybe queen thrown in there once in a while, maybe. So, and, and we had, you know, the leather and not a lot of latex in the States, much more in Europe. Uh, besides Ariana, there was a few, you know, Ariana, Amanda, there are a few that did latex. Um, I'm sure I could name more if I was, you know, given time to go through my DDIs. <laughs> <laughs> but we were all trained or told there was one proper way to do things. And nowadays, it's like uh, all hell breaking loose and they can kind of do whatever they want. And in some ways, it's good. And in some ways, it's not good. I was mentioning it to, I think, Miss Shayla Lang uh, when she was here, that one of the things that I have come to admire the most is the bravado of the current dominatrixes. And, and I don't mean bravado in a bad way. I mean it in a good way, that they are so expressive and creative with their uniqueness. And it, some of it just amazes me. It's like, that's fantastic. Oh, I've never thought of that. <laughs> and, 
Yeah. And not only the way that they do their scenes, but, and not, not necessarily the way they do their scenes, even though that in itself is, I love seeing the cre creativity of uh, any Dom, but in the way they transform themselves and the way they express themselves and um, I, cosplay wasn't a thing back then. Oh, but just you can be any kind of dom you want and if you want to be an, an a anime figure dominatrix wearing blue and pink and whatever go for it and that is probably the one thing that i think has changed the most is the freedom of expression is there something that mr simone knows now that you wish you had known back when you first started that would have made things so much easier yeah learn how to do video clips <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sorry but that's that's my answer that's my answer i'm sticking through it it's like yeah it, it is it, yeah I, I would have learned how to do i would have been much more uh focused on the upcoming tech of how to do clips because I think it it would have benefited me, uh, especially now as an older dom, uh, I would have had that bank of thirty years of fucking fun scenes. You know that now people could go back. Oh, look what she was doing five years in, and yes. So that is the one thing I would say I'm sad I didn't do. Using the words carefully, but they came out of your mouth, so I will say them carefully. As an older dom, did I do that properly? <laughs> yes, you did. I, I'm just seeing myself coming to Chicago, just connecting through Midway and having you standing there going, remember when you said I came over here because. <laughs> right. You have an hour now. I'm sure we can find something to do between flights. Let's go. <laughs> do you find that there are some people who want that? style that you have because of not only the knowledge but because of the seriousness that you can bring to it because a lot of times with younger doms and especially some of the ones that you might see posting stuff on the internet a lot of it seems like fun and games and to you it's a career it's your passion, it's your soul, and it always has been. Yeah, my answer would be, even if I get in trouble for it and get a whole lot of, a lot of shit online, uh, yes. <laughs> there is something to be said for the classic dominatrix. And most of the people that come to see me, that's what they want. And then when we, you know, get to become regulars or they get to serve me personally and we get to have all kinds of fun and we do silly things. But my soul is a classic dominatrix. Even if I wasn't doing it professionally, I started way back when, when I was 15 and I've always been a femdom. It's who I identify as. And to me, the protocol and the power exchange that goes along with having a submissive, in service to me or protocol that is a, a huge part of who I am and fun and games are all well and good until somebody gets hurt in a bad way <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Now I sound like my mother, but uh, yes, I, I do find that people come because they want that style. Is there something that you know now that makes you look back and go, well, that was not right about being a part of the one true way? Was there something that the one true way got wrong that has evolved into things being right now? Wow, you're trying to make me diss my entire generation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying um, to do that on purpose. Oh, I love how you say on purpose. <laughs> um, yes, I do. I, I think that the one thing they got wrong, and it was a takeover. Eh, wrong's a strong word. Eh, eh. One thing that you're glad that it's evolved. Is that a better? Yeah, I. Yes, yes, that is definitely better because it, it it does have some benefit, but I don't think it's necessary. And that is that you have to start out as a bottom. That the person you have to you have to experience what your submissive is feeling so that you can administer it well. You know, um, I know houses that uh, in the past that have had some miss that have had ladies who are obviously dominant the woman is a dominant i'm a dominant not a question but no 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 if you want to work for the house you have to go through all that you have to start as a submissive and that can really turn somebody off and put them in a really bad headspace it's or get somebody hurt because if you try and tie me up i'm gonna choke hold you <laughs> okay so, because it's just, it's not my psyche. So trying to force somebody into that psyche uh, to learn a skill or to put themselves in their submissive's place, I think is, I'm glad that one's gone. I am. I'm really glad. I can feel what my submissives feel to a certain extent by using the tool on myself, you know, on my hand. Or take a flogger and slap it on my thigh and like, okay, now I psycho, you know, now I physically know how that feels. But psychologically, I'm not going to be able to ever understand how my submissive is feeling. Uh, I can do the best to empathize with them and, you know, have them tell me. But me not being submissive, I'm not going to get that same re euphoria or same reaction or release from an ex spanking or feeling the activity. So to force me to do it is going to set a very bad note in my head and I'm going to get pissed and I'm probably not, I probably wouldn't have done it. I'm going to ask a question in total naivete because I okay. don't know, but were a lot of dungeons owned by men 30 years ago when the one true way was <laughs> maybe written by a guy? I would say that it was probably about half and half. Mm -hmm. There were dungeons that were owned by guys. There are dungeons nowadays that are owned by guys. But there were also dungeons that were owned by women. Now, the first house that I worked at, the only house, because I never worked at a house after my training, mm -hmm. uh, was a female owned. And I, I know that there were quite a, there were few in the nation that were female owned, but there are also ones that I know that were, that were male owned. So I, I don't think it evolved from a 
guy's perspective. I think that was just our culture back then. And there was no internet. Uh, there wasn't a lot of commingling of styles. And the dominatrix was just the dominatrix. And it's, this is, you know, what had been presented for so many years. It just seemed like the forcing of being a bottom could be a control thing. That's why it made me think, hmm. But I know female, I know female owned dungeons that do that. Okay. So, so yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, I li that. I'm literally asking <laughs> out of, because uh, until the last three years, the amount uh, that I knew about a, a, any sort of dominatrix at all it could be fit into a little shot glass. <laughs> and look at you now, you've got an entire brewery. <laughs> I have been blessed, that's for sure. <laughs> well deserved. Thank you so very much. It, I'm going to use a song lyric. Is Chicago your kind of town? Chicago's always been my kind of town. It's my hometown. <laughs> so, yes. What is it Chicago, that's so, so special about the second city? Oh, first of all, you called it the second city. Well, I'm an old improviser. I'm sorry. That's what came to mind. It's okay. It's that New York-Chicago battle, you know? Nah. <laughs> I swear you're going to meet me at Midway when I make my connection here. I am. I'm going to be like, so, Second City, huh? <laughs> so Chicago has the unique... Hmm privilege slash blessing slash curse of being one of the major, if not the major Midwest city. Um, and that's not to diss other Midwest cities because I love other Midwest cities, but we are probably the smack dab in the middle of the country, the most like that is like New York and LA and San Francisco and Boston. Um, I mean, I love my Columbus. I love my Cincinnati. I love my Indianapolis. Uh, they're all great, but we have that uniqueness that we are right in the middle of the country farmland, yet we have the big city. So you get a nice melding of ethnicities, of cultures, uh, you get a little bit of uh, farm, you get a little bit of city, but Chicago has been known as a very ethnic diverse city. And I think that is kind of what makes us unique in the area we are because everybody kind of came to Chicago from the coasts mm -hmm. and we just kind of blended all of our uniqueness into one. Plus, we also have the, we survive the Midwest. So we've got that stock, that hardy stock that, you know, kick you in the ass when the weather is, you know, minus 30. And we're like, ah, it's fine out here. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a unique, uh, a unique concept my city is. It almost as though if you were to take a line of intensity and start it in New York, bring it through Chicago and take it to LA. Uh -huh. It is the perfect medium of the intensity of New York and the total laid backism of Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. 
it would be really interesting to see, you know, if there's like a ley line connecting them all, because it's just like right along there. And, and it's, yeah, it is the perfect melting point. So, and then we all kind of add our own crazy Midwest. We can survive whatever you throw at us out here. You are known as Chicago Mistress. That is mm -hmm. your moniker. That is your brand. Mm -hmm. Is there healthy camaraderie between the Doms in Chicago, especially when one is called the Chicago Mistress? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it, it's, uh, there's your answer. Yes. <laughs> uh, I would say, and I have, I've discussed this with my local Dom family, that right now it is the happiest and healthiest family of Doms that I've had in 30 years. The people that I have at my dungeon and in my city it, it, it is probably the best group of, of fellow dominatrixes and sex workers that I've had. Um, it always hasn't been like that. You know, it's, you know, there's been inviting and uh, there's been, you know, this one is crazy. This one's a drug addict, but right now we're all very, yeah. I don't want to go kumbaya, but you know, cause we all still have issues, you know, you know, things happen, but right now it's, it's very family close knit supportive group. Do you see your role as kind of the matriarch of the city? Yeah, Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to be Captain Obvious there. That's okay. That's okay. That they keep doing, they keep saying that. And I'm like, can you guys all just shut up? <laughs> that's an but, honor because that's yes. something that's that's something that's bestowed on you. You have yeah. to earn that. <laughs> I did. I did. I did earn it. It's just, it's very strange to me. Because it just looks, it to me, it's, it doesn't seem like 30 years. It seems like half of that, you know, it, it's, it really just boggles my mind as well. And I'm like, you know, and, and my husband tells me I should own it. And, you know, Mr. Luca and Alexandra, they all say, own it. You've earned it. And, you know, Chicago Dom Estelle is fantastic. And she's like, no, 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 we're going to have this party and you deserve it. And it's fantastic. And, you know, they're all so supportive. And I'm sitting here going, 30 what? <laughs> so it's my own insecurities. <laughs> Has there been, I can't call it a Mount Rushmore, but has there been a bondage that you have done that would you would call your masterpiece? And if so, could you explain it to me? Ooh. <laughs> How long you got? Can I go through my phone? Sure. I went three hours with Jim Weathers and Skylar West recently. So yes, I, I understand this. I got, it's been 30 years. I don't remember half the shit I did. I got to look at my phone. <laughs> Ooh. But like when I was a television producer. Yeah. When I was a television producer, I had that one show that I always loved. 
I will. Um, I don't know if I could really narrow it down to one because so many of them, I just, they evolve organically and they evolve, you know, out of my imagination and I'm out of, you know, uh, the submissive's willingness. And so many of them at the end, I just sit back and look and go, wow, that's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, or that's fantastic. And that's really intense. And, and I'm sure that after we're done talking, I can go back and look at my phone and go, oh, my God, I should have said that one. Oh, my God, I should have said that one. <laughs> uh, and you're, we're specifically talking bondage, so I'm not going to include like CBT and and everything else. I would say the probably the one time I suspended my male sub from my bondage table like an, it, like he was skydiving would probably and I still have a picture of it I can find it somewhere on my phone (laughs) you know and it was like the whole you know like this with his arms out and his legs up and just suspended above my table inverted like he was you know sky the only thing would have been better if I put a fan under him (laughs) um and and he's a big boy he's he's a tall boy and uh yeah he was you know face down totally inverted not in bodysuit to make it easier just total um, rope, chains, leather restraints, totally naked. Will probably be one of them. I I can picture it. Okay, I'll send a picture to you later. <laughs> <laughs> we will be right back and talk with Mr. Simone a little bit more because I want to talk about the future. Ooh. Oh, when God. We come back on what women and other wonderful humans want. Presented by Dating Kinky with special thanks to kinkstermerch.com. Welcome to the Yoniverse. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni podcast is a celebration of the beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality. From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, from deep spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur of the moment flames. It is all infused with Yoni energy. Search for the Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. Sexual Equanimity by Podophilius. This is a wonderful story of overcoming adversity in which the character's story begins in a world of chaos and despair and ends in a joyous sense of mental release and understanding. Sexual Equanimity is a must-read for anyone struggling with feelings of shame and guilt as a result of their wants, needs and desires. Zane's story will resonate with many submissive males whose stories echo Zane's own and provides great insight and clarity. Make sure this book is on your reading list and ensure you don't miss out. It may just change your life. An enthralling read that combines mental health and healing with kink. The ultimate submissive man's bible. Also, don't forget to give our Rumble channel a follow at Chasm Podcast. Yo, this is Podophilius. Sexual Equanimity is now available to purchase as a paperback and a ebook on my website, which is www.podophilius.com. Alternatively, you can purchase the Kindle edition, which can be found on Goodreads and Amazon. Are you curious about kink but don't know where to begin? 
Or maybe you have a friend who, while they appreciate your interest in BDSM, they don't really understand what it's all about. You should check out Kink for the Curious. It's a fun little activity book with color pages and word finds, lots of silly puns, <laughs> uh, but lots of solid BDSM and kink information written by somebody who's been in the business for almost 30 years. Kink for the Curious, a BDSM activity book for beginners written by Princess Natasha Strange, and that's me, <laughs> is available on Amazon. Go get it now. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. I'm Dr. Allison Ash, intimacy coach and educator and the founder of Turn On Love, and I'm delighted to be offering my sexual and emotional intimacy skills master course in January. This is an eight-week virtual live instruction course. All classes are recorded for folks who can't attend live. We're going to dive into a ton of experiential skills, science-based data, and practices to help you create and sustain the level of emotional and sexual intimacy that you want in your lives. Care to join us? Use the promo code WWWPODCAST for $50 off. You can find out more about this course and my other offerings at www.turnon.love. Thank you for joining us. Please show your support of the show by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and leaving us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our video channel at youtube.com slash at what women want podcast. And to financially support the show, which we greatly appreciate, please visit bit.ly slash thanks catsuit and give what you can to help catsuit travel teach, and bring you great in-person interviews. We very much appreciate it. This is Milky, and Dating Kinky has brought you this podcast since day one. We believe in great education for our community, and this is just one of our efforts. Please join us at Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla, and it's free. Welcome back to the program, joined by Chicago Mistress Simone from the beautiful city of Chicago. And I love that city. I just need to get back to it more for so many reasons. I do know that from our conversation during the break that you are getting back to doing something that you used to love to do because education is definitely in your heart. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I love educating. And uh, as you and I were talking about, I used to do it all the time. Started edu- educating probably around 
my career started in 93. So I'm going to say probably around 97. And uh, I would teach classes at, I used to run a fetish store in Chicago called Taboo Taboo. And uh, it was a sex store when I took it over, but I turned it into a fetish store. (laughs) (laughs) Now back to, it's not back to being a sex store, but I would give classes and I would, uh, you know, do the education. I would also bring in other pro doms to, I wasn't a pro dom back then. I was the manager, but I would bring in, you know, local pro doms to teach classes, which is kind of how I got started. And when I became active in the lifestyle, I would educate and teach on female dominance, on spanking, on CBT, basic bondage at some of the local munches. And from there, when I started working for our local BDSM club, I did a monthly education event and it just kind of steamrolled from there. And I've been educating for, like I told you, I think at the first time was 20, 21 years. And then I kind of got burnt out and stopped. And then when I tried starting again, nobody's like, you know, it's the, you're going to be the latest and greatest with education. So, and it was, it had gotten to the point where it was a little bit too much like entertainment and I'm a educator, not an entertainer. I mean, I can be entertaining, but <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I didn't want to have to give you a scene in my class. I don't mind doing a demo. I don't mind doing a demo to show something properly or the reaction of something, but I don't want the entire class to be a demo because then you're just watching me play with one of my missives and not learning anything. No. Um, so during COVID, uh, it was really nice to see a lot of the femdom community, the professional sex work community, step up and do online skill sharing, and especially with virtual stuff because we were all kind of stuck in our houses. And it didn't even dawn on me until after COVID that maybe I should have been doing the same thing. <laughs> until Video Mr. clips Luca was, and, and virtual right, classes. Right. Until Mr. Lucas like, well, I don't know why you didn't do that during COVID. And I'm like, well, why did you say something? I'm like, well. <laughs> and so I recently started returning to um, uh, in-person educating and didn't realize how much I missed it. And I just, I love teaching. That was a long-winded answer. <laughs> but a beautiful answer in the fact that because you did teach so long ago, you probably had students who in this day and age might think they know it all. But back then, there were very limited resources on where you could learn this stuff. Yes. Yeah. It was It was all in person because we didn't have the internet. You couldn't go online. It was just in the baby steps. And, you know, online education at BDSM was not where our brain was. You know, it was it was more on um, creating websites for our fetishes, like like Enemates, you know, or Enemates was one of the big sites back then. It's like, you know, where can we meet other fetishists? And, you know, it was just really starting. So online classes were not the way back then. And it was pretty much all in person. It was at munches. It was at sloshes. It, it was at local clubs. I traveled to uh, small areas in the Midwest to educate uh, a group of lifestylers on, you know, whatever topic they wanted me to. And we had a lot more events back then. 
you know, we had Cope, we had Smart, we had GLLA, we had contests. There was a contest circus. There was a lot more munches. There was a lot more local groups and, and they all bought in local present or they all bought in presenters to the local area to, to help educate on a topic. Now you can just punch in, you know, CBT <laughs> and you find it. It's like, all right. But the knowledge and the history that you bring is a totally different perspective than what most people would get now. And also because you've kept up with it all these years, you've known where the pitfalls are and you know, the things that really work that people don't practice anymore. Yes. Yes. And, and, and you're right in, in regards to that. And I, I guess I'm pretty proud of that fact. Uh, but it, it is, it's amazing to me and I can't really think of an example. Um, but, you know, in conversation at some of the classes that I've taught recently, or even in general conversation with a group of doms and they're talking about something and I really cannot think of an example. And I'd be like, well, why don't you guys just do this? And they're like, we never thought about that. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. All right. But, you know, I've learned an incredible amount of, of new things and creativity from uh, younger doms as well. And, and you have to be open to all learning. Even if it's bad learning, it's going to then teach you what not to do. It's like, okay, well, that person just didn't know what the hell they were talking about. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> so. I want to finish off our visit by talking about what you call your main fetish, which is control. Tell me what that word means to you. So when I was rewriting my website, I was working with a wonderful web designer in France, recommended by Lady Bellatrix. And she said, okay, what is you know, your top three fetishes? You know, and, and I, of course, listed, you know, bondage, medical, CBT. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> and she's like, okay. She goes, but, you know, what behind all that? And she kept asking me these, the, the questions. She's like, you know, what is your motivation? You know, what do you really get off on? And I'm like, well, bondage, CBT, medical, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, 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 no. So I actually had to sit down and think about it. And what do all of the things that I really like have in common and whether it's bondage, medical CBT <laughs> or degradation, uh, humiliation, high protocol. And, you know, I talked about it with my husband. I talked about it with other fellow doms and then it distilled it down to, I like controlling what's happening. I like creating the scenario. I like controlling what sensation you get, how you get it, when you get it, when you don't get it. And even outside of seeing, I like controlling uh, your behavior. You know, when you have an orgasm, when you don't, when you exercise, uh, it, it's, I am the ultimate control freak. It's what I enjoy. Now, given it can get a little taxing because if you are taking the responsibility of, for the control, you really can't say, I'm not in the mood to do it today. <laughs> so it can be, you know, it's not like, oh, I just really like spanking and you can spank someone and then you're done for the day. It's like control is more of an all-encompassing factor and you can't just say, eh, 
I ain't going to do it today because then you're leaving your submissive or whatever scene you're doing kind of floundering in the wind. So it has its pros and cons. And I believe there's probably a fear for many to actually be able to give that to someone. Oh, it's scary. Definitely. And, and I, I don't need, I don't need all encompassing control just when you are with me, whether it's contextually, when you're with me, whether it's five minutes, 50 minutes, 500 minutes, that time we're together, when we negotiate it, I'm the one who creates the structure of our enactment. I want to be in control of what we do based on our mutual interests or what you'd like to explore. And everybody has a safe word and everybody has an out, you know, and it's all negotiated. And, you know, it's like, but that to me is my fetish of you trusting me to take you where you have given me the control to take you where you need to go. And the beauty of being on the other side of that just must be breathtaking. It is. Not to try a pun there because that can. Be I was going to say that was all I have. That was just really, really. <laughs> I wasn't trying. I do try but, so often, but I wasn't trying at that time. See, it has to come naturally. <laughs> just like control, it has to come naturally. <laughs> what are the best ways people can find you on this wonderful, technologically advanced place that we live in called the internet? If they just punch in Mistress Simone or Chicago Mistress, I should come up. I really prefer if people contact me with my website, which is chicago-mistress.com. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter or X oh, yeah, as Chicago Mistress. Um, I know that Google's playing funky things with our, supposedly with our websites and, and algorithms now. But if you just punch in Mistress Simone, Chicago, I should come up. You are a brand after all. Exactly. <laughs> what an honor and privilege it has been to talk to you today. And thank you so much for sharing history, thoughts, and, and beautiful moments with us. I greatly appreciate it. It has been my honor and privilege to be asked to be on the in the Legend series. And uh, now I have to own that word because it's out here now. <laughs> And uh, I hope to meet you at Midway when you're flying through soon. <laughs> I, I will send you my itinerary as promised. <laughs> it has been a privilege speaking to you and an honor and a, a very fun time. Thank you. She is just a remarkable mistress. And it is so lovely to not only hear her history, but hear that there's a great future for this wonderful dominatrix who calls Chicago home. I look forward to meeting her one day. That is on my bucket list of 2024. And as we move into 2024, we get ready for a new era in this program. Authentically Kinky, presented by Dating Kinky, with special thanks to kinkstermerch.com, comes your way February 13th. And if you want to hear the story and you might have missed it last week, here's Skylar West to tell you more.
What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want began in September of 2020 as a way for people in our community to connect with each other. And now, for over 200 episodes, we have told the story of people within our world with respect, honesty, and most of all, authenticity. We have always been authentically kinky, and now we will be all the time. Premiering in 2024, the next evolution of the podcast begins with the same style you have come to know and love as we become authentically kinky. Authentically Kinky, telling the stories of what women and other wonderful humans want, premieres on the same podcast platforms as before. You don't have to change a thing, and neither will we, because we have always been authentically kinky. This is Skylar West, producer and star of The Assignment on JimWeathers.com, and I am proud to be the one to introduce you to Authentically Kinky, presented by Dating Kinky 2024. And so the next era begins February 13th with a wonderful guest, Mistress Riley of Minnesota in a special video version of the show. I had the opportunity to go up and spend some time in her dungeon in Minnesota, and it turned into one of our most unique interviews ever, because something happened to me during the interview. I'm not going to spoil it now, but it's never happened before, and I don't know if it'll ever happen again. I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break as we do this rebranding. We will have some new handles on social media, but we will keep our same spots. You'll be able to find us just by Googling Authentically Kinky. That's one of the reasons we're making the name change. We want to connect better with our kinky audience. You won't have to change your settings on the podcast, though, because we're going to go off the same server, and you'll be able to find us just where you always have before. I'm John also known as Hi There Catsuit, I am authentically kinky, and I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. 